Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to personal business ownership. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And boy, is it a journey, as we all know. But it's a good journey. And uh, I'm proud to work for this organization, Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur Entrepreneur.com on the web, and you'll find everything you need, all the tools you need and people that will help guide you. Hold a lamp unto your feet on this journey. My first guest is a new friend because uh, as soon as I meet somebody, it's an instant. We are now friends. You're going to like it or not. We're friends, okay? Is Sam Maloof, and he he said something to me t- this morning already. We talked before the show. He said, we invest in people. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Alan. Great to be here. So when you say we invest in people, where did that come from? Give me the genesis of that, and then I want to talk about your story and people get to know you. You know, I think going back in our history and our origins, my wife and I started the company about 18 years ago in 2003, and we actually ran the company, just the two of us, for about six or seven years and before we actually hired anybody. And one of our biggest early on lessons was that we aren't the best and uh, we can't do everything. And, and we've been successful. We honestly, we pretty much capped out our scaling success. And, and really the magic happened when we hired the first person about 11 or 12 years ago. And then, you know, that's, you know, repeated many times over, over the years. And now there's about 1600 of us now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the origins, but we believe that the success, the future, the sustainability, everything is based on people, their passion, and their inputs. I mean, we know that it just doesn't work without the real engine, which is the people. I love it. I love it. Okay, so when you talked about the company, tell the world about the company. So my wife and I were newlyweds in 2003, and we were we purchased a uh, freight-damaged king-size mattress from a, uh, from a local store. We were setting up our apartment for the first time, and so we were just downtown buying things and one of those things was some king size sheets and they told us that they would be expensive for that big of a mattress we had no idea what we we're doing we we're you know 23 years old and and that's kind of what we found is when we went shopping for sheets we kind of thought it was overpriced and maybe a little underpresented and uh, we just you know had the idea of just being opportunistic that maybe we could figure out a way to bring bed sheets at a better value and 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 better presented and just a better value proposition for the consumer and so we started importing high thread count egyptian cotton sheets from egypt and that's where the business started we you know started selling them to furniture stores and and mattress stores and and uh, from that it evolved into lots of different bedding accessories and from there it evolved in about 10 years ago into mattresses in a box and you know we've become one of the largest sellers of mattresses in the country now and the last few years we've really focused on expanding the business into all home furnishings so furniture you know rugs floor coverings you know everything and so that's uh, that's kind of the essence of the company so what I love about it is that you're, you're telling your story and it's very personal because you and your wife, your employees, the struggle and, but you haven't even told your company's name yet, which I think is great. <laughs> Everybody's goes, what is the company? What is the company? Yeah. Sam, what is the company? <laughs> so the, the company is, it's called Maloof Companies. Okay. Um, we, you know, mainly go by Maloof and it's, uh, it umbrellas over a lot of different brands, everything from, you know, our boutique brand Maloof Home to lots of different 
you know, private label brands that are ours that we make for different sales channels, different product categories, different, you know, different consumers, different price points. So there's about 30-ish brands that are our main brands under our, our, our core business. And, uh, you know, our core business is, you know, home furnishing products. So I love it. I absolutely love it. You, the humility here. When you guys learn more about Sam Maloof and Maloof Companies and what they're doing with sex trafficking and really trying to make sure that this world is a better place by the investment in people, you're going to love this man the way we do. We'll be right back. It's Entrepreneur Weekly. comes falling down for you. There's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. get enough of entrepreneur weekly check out our podcast on itunes for even more content subscribe today you're listening to entrepreneur weekly now here's your host Alan Taylor. Uh, you can find our show and many other entrepreneurial um, tools, aids, stories at entrepreneur.com. Check it out. Talking right now to my new friend, Sam Maloof, the Maloof Companies. If you know, you know. If you don't, go check it out. M A L O U F, Maloof, Maloof Companies. One of the other things Sam is doing and his wife, what is your wife's name, Sam? I need to add her into this. Sam's Casey. She's the co-founder, so you bet. There you go. So what Sam and Casey are doing is something now called the Maloof Foundation, amongst other things, but this is the one I talked about. This is the give back. This is the ripple effect into the world. This is the, the company, the organization better, the organization that is doing mighty things. And I want you to talk about the Maloof Foundation and what your mission is there. So how it started was, you know, we manufacturing bedding products. We found ourselves in an opportune situation a lot of times throughout the history of the company where, you know, shelters, disaster relief organizations, all sorts of people would come to us for bedding donations. And we, you know, it was easy for us to do and it was very relevant. So we did that. Over the years, we learned about some of the scenarios that surrounded some of these people that were, you know, in foster care and, you know, in different shelters. And we learned about human sex trafficking specifically mm. and uh, learned about its prevalence globally, but you know, particularly in the U.S. around us in our communities. And as we learned about it and were shocked, like anybody that learns about it, we wanted to, to do our part and to participate in more of a solution. So we recognized our position in our industry with our with our people and our organization and jumped in and formed a, you know, formed a public charity and started really trying to create awareness about the issue. And it's, it's a shocking thing to learn about and everybody wants to do something. And so the things that we got involved in is we said, Hey, people need to know about it. So we've created awareness campaigns and education campaigns that teach people about the realities surrounding sex trafficking of kids specifically is where our focus is. Mm. Secondly, we work on the healing side of things. And so it's a continuation of what we were doing before. We work with restorative care facilities and in the healing process of survivors. And we have uh, currently in Utah, we're in the process of building the first restorative care facility for 
minor victims of sex trafficking. And so it's a facility for, you know, females in the age of 18. And then third, we work on the justice side of things. And so we work with legislation and we work with law enforcement to bring justice to both the, the victims and survivors as well as the perpetrators. And so we have some different initiatives there as well. But what's unique about our foundation is it's really, you know, it's really woven into the it's woven into the culture of the organization itself. So we have employees of the foundation, but the operating company, Maloof, um, pays all those costs. And so as a flow-through entity for donations, there's no overhead to any of that money. But at the same time, the operating company gets to enjoy the benefits of being involved. So we have you know, all of our employees, whether they work full-time or barely any at all in the foundation, they all feel like they're contributing, and they are. And so it's a really, really great thing that we've been able to, you know, to really incorporate into the company itself. Mm, love it. Well, let me tell you how I can help you. I want on the radio right now to donate some unsold inventory that we have in the radio business to the Maloof Foundation to be able to get your word out there. Because in the world of radio, you have what's called a perishable product. Every weekend, if the product isn't sold, it's gone. So I have the ability to make sure that your message gets out there. So you and I will talk after the show. We will create some commercials for you to tell the world about the Maloof Foundation and your new restorative care facility. And I want to be a part of that solution. I don't want to just sit and get angry at the world. I want to be a part of that. And I hope that other people hear this and will check out the Maloof Foundation. Is there a website? Is it as simple as your name, Maloof Foundation? Yep, you got it, MaloofFoundation.org. And okay. one thing that people can do, a great place to start, is to take our training that's survivor-led, survivor-informed. It's a multi-part video training, and it's called On Watch. And you can go to IamOnWatch.org, so I-A-M-O-N-W-A-T-C-H.org. It takes about an hour in, in different segments, and you can see what trafficking looks like in America. And it's the best place mm. to start to get educated, and that's really what we feel like is important. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I love what you're doing. When we come back, we're going to now bring it all the way forward to what can Sam do for you? How can he help you? How can we here at Entrepreneur help you? You don't want to go anywhere. That's called a cliffhanger, by the way. <laughs> this is Entrepreneur Weekly. Our guest today, Sam Maloof from Maloof Companies, M-A-L-O-U-F, Maloof Companies. Check them out. find out more about entrepreneur weekly visit us at entrepreneur.com you're listening to entrepreneur weekly now here's your host Alan Taylor. All across America and around the world because of the interwebs, entrepreneur helping people on their journey towards financial freedom through being an entrepreneur. Uh, one of those guys that has made it is Sam Maloof, the Maloof Companies. They are in uh, bedding products. 
Not betting, betting like mattresses and sheets and things. That's fun. That's I'm sure that gets uh, all the time mixed up there. But they also have the Maloof Foundation. They are doing a lot in the world of human sex trafficking in order to help people in that realm. And then Sam, if we can, Sam Maloof joining us. You talk about investment in people and all of this, and I know that it is like a core because once you realize, you know. No man is a mountain, you know, you and your wife, but it does take people. But along the way, you must have learned some valuable lessons. I mean, you're relatively a young guy and I think your early forties is what I was told, right? Yep. Yep. You go. That's amazing. What you guys have done is amazing. You have Tamarack Capital and, and you have all these, you know, the VC company, but can you talk about a couple lessons maybe that, have, that you've learned that helped you to become the success you are today? We talked a lot about people in the beginning and, and the turning point that was for our organization, what it meant for, you know, our cause and movement and uh, progress as an enterprise. And, you know, Casey and I often talk about how, you know, we started, you know, this company in our, in our two-bedroom apartment. That's where everything began. That's where we warehoused our sheets initially and so forth. We'd probably still be there if we hadn't have invested in the first person. And it took us, you know, I think like everybody that's, uh, you know, started a business, I think, you know, initially you think, hey, you know, I've, I've got to do it all. I know how to do it all. And, and we learned very quickly that we aren't the best at everything, that uh, other people can specialize and that and there's ideas and passion and creativity that comes from really the synergy of people that work together. And so, so our company's really tried to focus on, on trusting and empowering people to, we really feel like we're a, or, you know, a whole company of entrepreneurs. And so, we encourage ideas from every and any level of the company. We encourage criticism from every level of the company as well, because we know that change really is the key to long-term sustainability. And so that's kind of, I think, the essence of our culture here is is trust and empowerment and, you know, encouraging creativity and change. So you say you, through, I guess, Tamarack, one of your companies, one of your, a VC company, you make investment in people. Can you give me like one minute on that? I'm just, I'm dying to know. I'm sure people else are out there. Yeah, you bet. So we came in an interesting relationship a couple of years ago where we were introduced to a venture capital firm called Tamarack Capital, who employs a unique approach to venture capital where they house a lot of the critical services from creative to legal to accounting to, you know, advertising, et cetera, in-house. And then they bring companies on and they don't just participate in check writing and some, you know, really high level management consulting, but they actually help do a lot of the core work together. And so when they got with us, they saw a lot of the in-house uh, capabilities that we have. We're a very vertical organization. We have everything from, you know, photo to, you know, legal, you know, basically a law office on the inside to, you know, just basically all the elements of the company. Right. And they saw how we could deploy that system to a whole other level. And so, we actually acquired Tamarack Capital last year, and we're you know still an operating company. Tamarack still operates you know itself independently, but we come together in the middle where we find companies that uh, that benefit from all the internal disciplines that we've specialized in, and then we plug them in, plug them into the company. Awesome. One of the biggest ones lately that we've worked closely with is Pura, oh, yeah. smart home aroma fragrance. Yeah. You've probably heard of that. Oh, I'm, and, I'm, uh, I'm we, working with them oddly enough. <laughs> That's too oh, funny, cool. right? That's awesome. <laughs> That's so great. we do everything from uh, doing a lot of their distribution logistics to uh, you know to their sales distribution. So great. it's been a really unique marriage between the two organizations. Okay, so last we got about uh, two minutes. 
the journey. Everybody thinks they're alone on these difficult journeys. You've had yours. I heard you put a couple million bucks on credit cards when you first got started. And uh, that must have been scary. But can you just give a little bit of advice on the journey and, and, uh, you know, keep on going? When you're going through hell, keep going, right? Give us a little advice. Yeah, I could probably sum it up. I think everybody listening knows that you don't spin up a company without hard work. And in our case, a lot of things lined up that we weren't fully responsible for, but we were always in total control of our work ethic and what we put into the business. And I know that it would have failed without us hitting the red line on hard work. And so I think that's critical to starting out. You've got to work hard. It's not always glamorous. A lot of times it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a grind for sure. Right. I think the other thing is creativity in, in every way. I think, you know, like you said, we, you know, we didn't have financing. So we fired up all these, all these credit cards and took a lot of big risks and we were creative and just, and just being scrappy and, and being you know, opportunistic and, and hustling in every way. Yeah. And then the last one, like you said, is, it's just never giving up. And I think if you know you've got something and you like it and you feel positive about it, you know, I think put it all out there. And, and for us, uh, giving up was complete failure and, and success was everything else. And so we uh, uh, we knew that if we let off the gas pedal, it would all fall. And right. that's the type of pressure that we enjoyed living in and, and really grew to like. Love it. 23 years old, started Maloof Companies. Casey and Sam Maloof now, Tamarack, the uh, Maloof Foundation, and you're going to hear about them on this radio show because we're going to be playing public service announcements. Sam Maloof, thank you, sir. Congratulations, and God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Entrepreneur Weekly? Check out our podcast on iTunes for even more content. Subscribe today. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. So our next guest, I'm just going to go easy on him and call him a marketing guy. Is he a genius? Is he a super genius? Well, that'll be up to you. Um, He's an author, I'll tell you that. He is the author of a couple different books. Um, Brand is a four-letter word. And find your difference. Now, his name is Austin McGee. He has advised clients such as Disney, Boeing, Nike, ESPN, NBC, YouTube, Levi Strauss, Weston, Amazon, Facebook, Visa, and Unilever. So obviously he's working for some of the big organizations. And I asked him before the show, I go, do they listen to you? Anyway, he laughed. He is also the best-selling author of, like I said, brand is a four-letter word. And, um, by the way, the subtitle, Marketing and the Art of Positioning. And he recently published a book called Find Your Distance, Challenging Conformity in Business and in Life. Austin, welcome to the show and thanks for being with us. You're a marketing guy, thanks. right? And marketing guys, to me, there's kind of two different kinds of marketing guys. There's the young marketing people, guy or female, that they bring all of their learnt information with them 
from, you know, they got their degree in marketing or whatever it is, and they bring it all with them and they do everything kind of by the book. And, and, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And then there's the old marketing guys. I have a feeling Austin McGee is the old marketing guy. The reason why is because Austin, you said to me, there's not a lot of science behind marketing. And so my question to you is, first of all, I said, I already like you. Why do you say there's not a lot of science behind marketing? I'm just curious. Well, <laughs> so first of all, I don't see how age came into this. But anyway, um, there's not, you know, there is just not, there's lots of tracking. There's lots of measuring, but there's just not a lot of scientific proving. There's a lot of people like me who can talk your ear off about marketing and branding but there's not really a lot of science beneath it. Okay. So the question is, what do you do? What do you teach? And in your books, find your difference. What is your difference, Austin McGee? So, look, I mean, it's interesting. You know, business at the end of the day is marketing. You know, you you don't have a business unless you can sell something. Right. Marketing is about positioning. So I wrote a book about positioning. And positioning is about difference. So I've now written a book about difference. And the science that does exist sort of proves this idea that brands and businesses are built through difference, which is kind of common sense, right? I mean, things that stand out attract your attention. And if there are things that you, once you've given them your attention, if it's something that you are compelled by and interested in and want to buy, you will buy it. So difference is at the heart of all of this. And there's a bunch of science. There's a bunch of huge studies that have been done around the world. And I won't bore you with any of that. Right. That sort of just prove this idea. And you know what's funny is you have to have the science part of it. <laughs> you have to, right? Yeah. Because it's more yeah. like it's kind of foundational stuff, you know. You have to have that. But there is some kind of what I'm going to call secret sauce to really good marketing. And when I call you an old guy, I don't mean old in is an age. It means <laughs> you've been in this business a long time, which could be, you know, I don't know, it could be 10, 15, 20 years, right? You're not a newbie at it because you have your own. Tim Allen says you you put your own stink on it, and it's a good stink, (laughs) you know? That's a funny way of saying it, right? So what is the secret sauce of of what you see in this thing called marketing? Well, it's interesting you call it secret sauce. I mean, I, I do think I always sort of explain this as follows, which is you want facts and figures. You want information. Right. You build you build your information, but at some point in time, that hill, that mountain of information you built, you got to jump off, and, and that requires an intuitive leap. All that information basically gets you to the same place it got your competitors to. So the real, the secret sauce, as you would say, is your imagination, your, the intuitive leap you make, the thing that you do that isn't just a linear sort of conclusion of the information that you that you have. Again, another way, long-winded way to say you do something different and unique. Right. So you talk about this intuitive leap. And this is something that I think entrepreneurs are born with. They have this thing called intuition that they don't mm. shove down with education they actually allow it to sprout and grow because they follow, you know, if you look at kind of the, the science of human nature, if you look at the science behind entrepreneurs, they're 
followers of things they're passionate about. They're much more, I guess, organic. Does that make any? I mean, is that the wrong use of the word? Yeah. But you know, they. No, no, no. I, I don't yeah. think so. I think the process is sort of the opposite of what I just described. I think most marketers, business people, collect all the information, which gets them to a place, and then they take an action. Entrepreneurs say, I want to do this. I think this is a great idea. Here's why. Now, let me go find some information to support this and and make sense of it. But they start with the idea. They don't start with the information. All right. When we come back, I noticed you wrote your book, your newest book, Find Your Difference, in three parts. And I'm I'm hoping maybe you will... uh you know, talk to us about why you kind of chopped it up like that. And if you're looking about looking into marketing, folks, um, we've got an old marketing guy here. I don't even know how old he is, so when I say that, but there is something very organic about you. It's like even the fact that you said, I haven't even thought about it, I'm just going to make it up. That, to me, takes guts. That's a brave thing to do is to just let it flow. That's what you need. That's the secret sauce is the courage to move forward with a great idea. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. Don't forget, check out our website, entrepreneur.com. And uh, on the website, you will find this radio show in podcast form. Uh, Also, a lot of other really great podcasts. Our editor-in-chief, Jason Pfeiffer, does, I think he does two. Anyway, lots of great information there. A plethora of entrepreneurial voice. You know My guest today is Austin McGee. He's the author of a new book out, Find Your Difference. As a matter of fact, his website is finddifference.com. So you leave the word your off of there, finddifference.com. You know what's funny about entrepreneurs is that I do believe that we are the ones that speak up. We find our voice. We ask questions. We say things that are not PC sometimes. I mean... Even like when you and I first started before we got on the radio, we started talking kind of un-PC about marketing. Like, I'm just a marketing guy. You know, <laughs> I thought, I'm just a marketing guy. You know, listen, when you're dealing with, okay, let me read that list again of, of your clients, you know, Nike, ESPN, NBC, YouTube, Levi Strauss, Weston, Amazon, Facebook, Visa. Come on, man. You're not just a marketing guy. You must be a super genius. Otherwise, you wouldn't have ever gotten into those companies because one, two, three, and you're out. But I just named off about 10 of the biggest companies in the world, and you're advising these companies. You must be bringing something different to the table. Find your difference. Obviously, that's your book. So, Alan, I'm just going to put my wife on the phone so you can tell her that I'm super genius. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're never anything to your wife. Your wife's all, you're such an idiot. No, that's a joke. I'm a joke. My wife would <laughs> die if I, but I said to my wife the other day, actually, it's funny because 
I'm getting ready to do an event, and I was telling my wife about it, and she goes, I don't know. I'm not sure that it really conveys the message. I go, thank you very much for your opinion, and just please give it to somebody else. And we had this big old discussion about it, right? But my wife is my biggest critic, and I'm sure, Austin, yours is too, and that's just human nature, buddy. Sorry about that. As it should be. Yes, that's right. All right, so why did you split this book up into three parts? Answer that. Okay, I'll try to do this quickly. The three parts. The first part is really me making the case for difference. So just trying to make sure everybody who reads the book is convinced that difference is as important as I think it is. And obviously making the point that any idiot can be different. You can walk down the street naked. That's different. Um, (laughs) But you have to find ways to be different that are compelling to your audience. So I talk that through. Hopefully I make a pretty persuasive case. I bring in some of the science I mentioned earlier. Then the second third of the book is essentially, okay, if you're tracking with me so far and you're buying this idea that difference is so important, why the hell are we so afraid of it? And it talks about our parents and their need for us not to be different. As a parent, if a teacher says to you, your little Johnny is really different. Do you say hallelujah and start pumping your fist or do you say, oh, shit, what's wrong? Right. So there's parents, there's institutions, there's schools. Schools don't have, they're just not built for people who are different. They're built for people who sort of stay down the middle because that's the only way you can educate a whole lot of people with just a few teachers. Churches, same way. Our companies. Same sort of thing. If you're a large company, it's hard to deal with people who are really different. You kind of push conformity on them, even if you don't mean it. And we ourselves, there's a bunch of scientific studies that have been done that have shown that people in social settings conform to the group. Mm. Not like not like any of this is a big shock. So you've got this need in business and in marketing to stand out and do something completely unique, and you've got an awful lot of cultural forces pushing you to conform. Mm. Which is why, again, you've mentioned entrepreneurs a few times, why it's so cool to watch an entrepreneur just basically ignore all of everything I just said and just do the thing they think needs to be done. The third third of the book is essentially me just saying, okay, so if you've thought that it's important and you can see how we're being held back from it as a group of people, then how do you go about creating difference in marketing and in business? Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's kind of it. You know what's funny is what I'm hearing here, first of all, this is a book about human nature, understanding human nature, psychology, your upbringing, the expectations that are laid upon you as a child, teenager, adult, you know, business person, entrepreneur. The entrepreneur is that person, I think, that is perhaps sometimes born in an egg and they've kicked their way out of that egg. You know, it's like the chicken dies inside of it, doesn't kick its way out and peck its way out, right? And now you have a full-grown, you have a chicken that comes out of it or a real person that is able to, you know, go venture out into the world. Otherwise, we have a lot of conformists, right? Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, you can imagine that, uh, let's pick one, Steve Jobs, everyone picks him. 
Steve Jobs, how many times do you think his parents were told he was different, um, i.e. weird, when he was growing up? Bill Gates, the same thing. Um, you know, uh, who else? Reed Hastings, Bezos. I mean, these are all people who probably grew up as people who had different ideas. All right, hold and tight, hold tight, hold tight. You, you, you did name off some weird people there, j- just to, for, for kicks and giggles, but <laughs> that's funny. Hang with us. We're going to come back with more Austin McGee. Uh, his website is finddifference.com. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. We're having a really good talk about psychology, human nature, all kinds of crazy stuff. Need a mentor? One-on-one online sessions with Entrepreneur Magazine's experts can help you start a business, grow your business, build your brand, fundraise, and more. Book your one-on-one session with experienced business owners and media experts. Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, can help you perfect your business pitch to media. Businesswoman Kathleen Griffith, founder of Grayson Company, can help improve your growth and marketing strategies. Need guidance on improving your leadership skills? Elizabeth Gore, president of Alice, can help you become a strong, value-driven leader. So what are you waiting for? Book your one-on-one session with Entrepreneur's lineup of experts today. Visit entrepreneur.com slash mentors. Again, that's entrepreneur.com slash mentors. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Talking to a marketing guy, as I call him, Austin McGee. Uh, his new book out, Find Your Difference. And you can find that at finddifference.com. Austin McGee. All right, so Austin, um, your your subtitle of your book is Challenging Conformity in Business and in Life. This is the segment where you become the professor and you have a classroom full of people. I don't know how you're going to start this, but you added the word life in a business book, which really caught my attention, by the way. Why did you do that? I know, but I want you to teach the rest. Well, it's good that you know. I'm not so sure myself. (laughs) So I, I, I wrote this book and just realized as I was writing it, and not surprisingly, I guess in hindsight, that clearly there is a lot to be done to encourage people who are different to be different, that it's okay, that it's special to be different, and encouraging people to celebrate difference. So there's a real human edge to this. And, you know, in part of the book, I actually suggest, why can't somebody invent a, 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 like a difference quotient test for kids so we can measure their ability to not conform and celebrate the fact that they don't conform? Because some pretty amazing stuff happens when people don't conform. Uh, a lot of those people are entrepreneurs. Yeah, They don't conform. They don't accept the status quo. They decide to challenge it. They decide to, to do something completely different. You may love it or you may hate it, but it's different. It stands out. It gets your attention. No, Well, I'll tell you how true that is because I am that guy you just described. I was different. I knew I was different. 
And thank God my parents were like totally okay with it because they were different and, you know, come from a line of different kind of people. Listen, my dad was from London, England, and my mom was from Alabama. So that made me George Costanza. I was confused <laughs> and I was okay with it, you know, but uh, yeah. and I, I just embraced it. I mean, I embraced all the fun things about life that made me different. And I thought, that's good. I'm not a conformist. I'm uh I'm just different, and, and that's good, and I felt that way my whole life, and I, I feel like today there are more and more people that are waking up going, you know what? I'm just different, but yeah. to, to your point, and the reason why I think you added this to it is because you're different, and you're actually giving yourself permission through your writings to be that different person and to try and explain, you know, Lucy, you got some splaining to do. You're trying to explain what makes us people that are different. We'll call us entrepreneurs and marketing guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, look, I think we give Silicon Valley a lot of credit for a lot oh, of great yeah, stuff. Absolutely. One of the things we don't talk about so much is yeah. they took people who are different and smart and taught them that they can get funded, that they can create companies, and that they don't have to sit in the back room and provide information to the front men. Right. right. So, and emphasis on men. And I just think we've sort of liberated, to some degree, people. The, the Internet has done this. Silicon Valley has done this. We've kind of implicitly said, it's okay to be different. People who have different ideas are people to be watched and followed. They build companies. Now, they don't always. The, 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 you know, the tough thing is, you know, obviously, a lot of companies fail. So their ideas have to be both different and compelling. But... These are the people that build like culture changing businesses. Well, and if you look just right off the top of your head, you can go Elon Musk, ultra yeah, he, entrepreneur, he, doesn't he, give a damn what anybody says to him. And sometimes he's wrong and he yeah. pays for it. But I'll tell you what, this yeah. guy is more right than he is wrong. He's a little weird and special in his own way. Yeah. But my God, yeah. and, and even Joe Rogan with the Joe Rogan experience, I happen to be a yeah. big fan. I've, I've met the guy and I interviewed him before. And, you know, it's like, He's just unafraid to open his mouth and speak not only his truth, but the truth. And sometimes yeah. your clients, those big giant clients we talked about, the Nikes and YouTubes and Levi's and Western Amazon, Facebook, and all that, they got to have somebody that is willing to speak the truth. And it's got to come from a pure place, something they believe, something that's got a little bit of psychology, a little human nature, a little marketing guy. And they go, what do you think? And the person goes, I don't yeah. know. What the heck? Let's give it a try. And guess what? Yeah. Miracles yeah. happen. <laughs> You're right. And, and it starts at the top. You know, the yeah. CEO is somebody who clearly encourages difference yep. in, in his or her people. Yep. It permeates throughout the organization. If they're not, it doesn't. All right. Austin McGee, you can find him on his website, finddifference.com, his book, Find Your Difference. Good job, Austin. Keep it up. You're weird, and I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. Thank Likewise. you. Likewise. Yep, I know it. I always, I knew I was weird. I'll see you next week. <laughs> now, now you know it's perfect. This program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Media Incorporated.